right. So I wanted to share tonight from the book of Acts, um, 16th chapter, beginning at verse 9. Uh, before I do, I'll, I'll just say the last couple of weeks we've looked at these sort of, not sort of, these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples and thought about, you know, sort of the unique interactions that John gives us. And, and Acts is sort of unique in a, in a similar way in that so much of it is this sort of, this projection, this expanding, the, the growth of the early church, the sort of wrestling of new believers or the, and, and some of the, the early ways that the, the way, uh, the early Christian church just sort of expanded and became um, and so I, I just want you to sort of hold on to that thought a little bit as we read together again uh, Acts 16, beginning at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and then took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira. I honestly have no idea how to pronounce that, um, but that's probably close. And a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Loving God, we give you thanks for Lydia. We give you thanks for Paul. We give you thanks for the unnamed we that traveled with him, that was in ministry, for the other women that gathered round outside the bustling city of Philippi who heard these words. We give you thanks for the people in our own lives who have been a part of our story, some that we know, some that we don't. We give you thanks for the multitude of ways that you are at work. And so, God, we give you thanks for these moments, for these words, and for this opportunity for us to consider your holy word. And so, God, I pray that you would speak through me, and if need be, in spite of me, so that your word alone would be heard. Amen. So as I said um, before we read the passage, Acts in a sense is sort of like this outgrowth, not just a, of the faith, but in a sense the outgrowth of 
of Easter, right? The resurrection of Jesus. This incredible, the work, the, the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is just, it's growing and growing and more and more disciples and more and more believers and more and more structure, which is not always, you know, as interesting, but it's growing. It's, it's growing and it's going and going. And, and I have to tell you that even still, I've never really gotten anything out of this passage, or at least not for most of my life, and really for a good portion of my life, I wasn't reading Scripture at all. But, but I, I can't tell you, I, I don't know how many times I must have read over these few verses and been like, okay, cool, Lydia, good job, Philippi, okay, cool, I've heard of that. In their book later, let's keep reading, we'll get to Philippians. I love Philippians, and that's about it. I never really thought about it. And then some years ago, when I was in seminary, the second time, we'll get back to that, um, I was outside Philippi, which is, of course, not a city, it's an archaeological site, really, but I was outside Philippi, and they said, oh, this, this is the baptistry of St. Lydia. And I was like, ah, who's that? Cool, I don't know, I did. And again, this passage has just never grabbed me, but I got to tell you, what grabbed me was that baptistry. Now, here's the thing. This is just one picture of it. It's in your bulletin. It'll be on, a, on, the, on the screen for those of you who are joining us at home as well. It is gorgeous. It is one of the most beautiful places I have ever been in my life. This is just a part of the ceiling that you see if you happen to look up. It is this beautiful, small, little chapel thing with, a, with this gorgeous little bowl in the center where infant baptisms continue to this day. And this little, small, almost auditorium and stepping stones down into the river for adult baptisms at the location where we believe Lydia was baptized. It's just so beautiful that it has just grabbed me and stayed with me. And I, I, frankly, what I want to say in part is if you don't take it, well, I won't say if you don't take anything else from this, but at some point tonight or tomorrow or sometime, go look it up and just look at more pictures. It's gorgeous. But ever since that time, and especially I remember still the first time I came back to this passage after being there, I thought, oh my gosh, that, that's Lydia. That, that's where I was. And there was just something about the journey to that place that, may, that just sort of grabbed me about this passage. And I, ever since then, I've thought more seriously about it as I've come through it. And, and as I was excited to, to share about this tonight, I found myself just pouring over it in new ways, in no small part because it was my own unexpected journey that connects me to this passage that is all about the unexpected journey of Paul and others, of Lydia and of so many more who their lives and ministry touched. So here's what happens, just to touch on the story a little bit more. They're already traveling, they're already doing their thing, they're already out of their comfort zone, they're already out of safety, and they get this vision. And it's a vision, romance has come and help us in Macedonia, and so they, they pick up and they go, and we get this rapid-fire description of all these different cities uh, that they have gone to, and we know, I mean, this is hard to travel, this is not like they bought a train ticket, right? They've, it is a lot. And they go, and they find themselves finally in Philippi. And Philippi, as is described in this very passage, was this sort of very cosmopolitan, very happening place. And, 
And then it says that we remained in this city for some days. And part of what I love is, but, but what? There's nothing. We remain in the city for several days, and it's almost as if, like, and nothing happened. Right? Like, and nothing happened. Uh, we, we, and I think, actually, that's a part of what he's saying. We were in the city for days in this place where there's all this stuff happening, and, and we just we couldn't get a foothold. We weren't, we weren't gathering crowds. People weren't buying what we were selling, if you will. And then so finally come on the Sabbath, all those days later after they've been there where nothing of import happened, at least not enough to be recorded, they go out of the city to find a place that they can pray outside of the hustle and bustle, away from, frankly, where they expected their journey had called them, where the opportunities would be so that they could just honor the Sabbath, sit and pray. And that is where they ran into some women and where they ran into Lydia. And I think part of what feels powerful, and maybe it's just me, but is the repeated, unexpected nature of this encounter, of finding themselves through, the, through a vision. And let's remember, a vision of a man saying, come help us, and instead it's a woman that they encounter and becomes this first convert in all of Philippi, frankly, in all of Europe, and is the leader of the first church, which of course is something you really should hold tight to when later Paul is talking about how women should keep quiet in church. I don't know how he does that, but it's, it's a weird thing. But the point is, my point is, is that that, I don't know why I brought that up. Why did I bring that up? Can we Erase that? I don't know. Okay, we can. Good, thank you. The point is, is, that, is that I think like, you have to hold that in context. Lydia is one of several women leaders that Paul appoints to churches. That's what I was trying to say. Ooh, wow, okay, that was fun. <sighs> Sorry. But the point is, is that all of this feels just so unexpected. Where they are, and yet they're outside of the city. Who they're encountering, what is happening. And Lydia... Lydia, it says that God opens up her heart and she becomes, and her whole household is baptized at this beautiful location. I hope you look it up. It's so beautiful. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Tonight, I want us to think about who is the hero that we need to sort of embrace here, which is sort of a weird way of putting this, but let me, let me offer another thought. I struggle with my own story. I did well in school, generally. Um, I had ideas of what I wanted to do professionally until I became a Christian about halfway through high school and felt a call to be in ministry. So I went to college on the, in, in the uh, strong suggestion of my pastor. I studied what he said, anything but theology, because you'll get enough of it in seminary. He was right, by the way. Um, I really enjoyed it. I studied music and English, and it was it was wonderful. College was great. I worked for a year in between, and then I went to seminary. Now, the other thing is, though, is we also have this parallel thing that we do in the United Methodist Church, which is wonderful. It's the candidacy process. And as most of you know, because I've shared this from here before, I'm a survivor of abuse. And very wisely, they said, you've got to work on that. Um, you've got to still be working on that. And to make a long story uh, very short, the ways that I worked on that, thank you, God, ultimately led to me realizing I wasn't ready. I mean, I, I, I was a year out of college. I was doing well in seminary. In the outset, everything looked great, but I was, I was not ready. And so I took a semester off, which turned into several years. 
In that time, I lived in New York, I lived in South Korea, I bounced back to Florida, I did all sorts of things. They were all great, but they never felt like, I'm not just working out. So finally, I felt, as that work continued, I felt the call to return to seminary. And I went, and it was great, and I'm so glad I did. But again, as I graduated, I was like, I'm not sure I'm called to be in the local church. Now, some of you are nodding a little too profusely right now. I wish you didn't agree so strongly right then, because you got to let me get to the end. So I've been meaning to talk to you about whether or not that's the thing. But the truth is, is that, um, well, let me just finish the story except to say that, so I worked um, administratively in a church for a while, um, and I kept having this feeling, I feel like I'm in the right place doing the wrong job. Um, and I, again, I loved what I did, but then finally I decided the wise thing to do is just to find a new job and I'll do anything anywhere in the world as long as it's not in a church. Let's get some separation, just worship for a while, just figure things out. And that's when I got a call asking me to serve a church as a pastor. <laughs> and so I thought, or I could do that. I could just go do it and I could try. Um, and that was seven years ago. Um, and I got to tell you, that first church, some of you all have heard some of these stories it was beautiful and scary, and there were nights when I would tear my hair out, and yet when I woke up in the morning, I thought I, I would not go anywhere else for anything. I knew, I knew it was it, and I, the thing is, is that I can look back at that, and there's always two thoughts. One of them is I needed that kind of disconnect. I needed something that drastic for me to finally accept, embrace, and celebrate my call into pastoral ministry. But the other thought that I still to this day wrestle with is, man, I wish I could have just finished seminary 10 years earlier. I wish I could have the stories that so many of my colleagues and my mentors have of another decade or two in ministry that I just won't have. I, I regret that, that some, so much of my story feels like I was running away. There's so much of my story that I wish was different. But here's the thing. Unexpected isn't bad. Unexpected isn't even lesser. And part of what, and I share this with you not because I have it all figured out, quite the opposite. I share this with you because I'm wrestling with this still today. And my story is not the story I would have chosen for myself. And I will tell you, I, I believe that many of parts of my story are part of the, parts of the story that God would not have chosen for me. But it doesn't change that God is at work in the midst of them, can be at work in the midst of them if we invite God in. That's part of my story, is wrestling with this journey that is often unexpected, often not fun, often frustrating, often sad, but also and so often glorious and wonderful, and God can and is at work in the midst of it. And I believe to this day that I am uniquely a pastor, not always in good ways, but uniquely a pastor because of that background, because of that story that allows me to engage differently with you than, than other pastors do, which doesn't make me better or worse than them. It just makes me different, and I think God uses that. I'm grateful God uses that. I'm not the hero, though. <laughs> I'm really not. I think what I want you to hear is the invitation from my own story and, much more importantly, the invitation from this story from Acts that your journey is also very, very important. Whatever it has looked like, wherever you came from to be here tonight and now, and wherever you go 
tonight and tomorrow, God is with you, and God is at work in you, and God wants to be at, continue to be at work in you. There's this beautiful passage in Romans chapter 8 which says, We know all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. And I, what I have believed that to be for a long time is not that God makes everything happen for a reason, not that God wants everything that happens to us to happen, but that God can work even in the stuff that we didn't want, even in the stuff that we would not have chosen, but God can and does work in it. So I hope that you will hear tonight, um, or whenever, <laughs> this invitation to understand that the journey that we are on is one that we take with God, is one that can be and is blessed by God, and one that if we invite God into it, God can and does use. One final thought on that, just basically there's um, John fourteen six, another passage you probably have heard. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I came across this really beautiful quote a couple, years, uh, a couple weeks ago in a devotional about this, and, and this is Gordon Cosby who says, remember he said, I am the way, not at the end of the way you will find me, but I am the way. As soon as you get started on my way, you will find me. I'm the way right beneath your feet, wherever you are, at whatever point you start. If you start from the gutter, there I am with you. If you start from the peaks of worldly success, there I am with you. So keep following and keep praying. And I just, I hope that you hear the invitation to invite God into your journey, to invite God to work in the midst of it and through it and through you. You're the next Paul, you're the next Lydia, whatever you call it, whatever you want. The point is, is that even in the unexpected twists and turns, even if, like me, there are times when you look back in your story and you say, oh, I wish it was different, God can still be at work in the midst of it, and I believe is. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me now. Loving God, thank you for, okay, thank you for helping me get through that. But thank you mostly for your love and your grace and your patience. For the ways that you have been at work in my life and the ways that I know you are at work in the lives of every person who is a part of this and so many more. For taking time through your love, not just to bless us, but to work in us and to work all things for good so that we find ourselves not just, although it's pretty amazing to be your chosen, adopted, beloved children, but those who you continue to be at work so that we might know more fully the power and the gift of your love. Amen.